Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast. I'm Alison Perry and you're listening to episode 23. If you're into interiors, then you might have heard of my guest on this episode. Emily Murray is a mum of two and the founder of The Pink House, a website dedicated to fabulous family living where she shows readers how to balance creating a gorgeous home filled with beautiful things that make you happy with having somewhere that your kids can run around and play without fear of sticky fingers ruining a velvet sofa or a football crashing into your favourite vase. In my chat with Emily, she shares her tips on how to find your own personal interior style and what you should do if your partner or children aren't keen on your ideas for a room. We also chat a lot about Emily's experience of motherhood and how she found it difficult when her eldest was a baby and it led her to move back from London to Edinburgh so that she could be closer to her family when she needed support. Oh, and there's a great moment where Emily talks about a very naked experience that she had. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Emily. Thanks. It is fabulous to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, so, uh, for anyone who doesn't know Emily, let me um, describe you. Describe you? That sounds really bad. No, go for it. Introduce you is probably a nicer way of wearing saying my it. my best jumper. Um, you are. You're wearing a beautiful pink jumper, which is very on brand. Um, so, you're a pink-haired mum of two, a journalist turned blogger. Is that a fair description of your job? I think that pretty much sums it up. And you're the founder of The Pink House, which mm. is a website on stylish family living. Um, and we used to work together, didn't we? We did indeed. At if you can call it work. <laughs> <laughs> Not just messing about with Barbies on the floor. It definitely was work. Okay. Um, yeah, we worked drinking more... wine. Yes, we, we, we weren't <laughs> drinking wine during the day. Let's weren't be you? clear. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered why you were all so happy. <laughs> That's kind of what I was doing. So we worked on More Magazine, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. Rest in peace, More Magazine. No. Um, and um, then you moved from London to Edinburgh when you had a family, mm-hmm. didn't you? Um, and that's where the original Pink House was. So tell me a bit about uh, the original Pink House and what led you to set up the website. Okay. The original Pink House was um, a Victorian terraced house in Edinburgh down this really pretty little street. And it wasn't pink when we bought it. It was white. 
and as a result stood out on the street and not in a good way because all the other houses were different pastel colours and ours was the only non-coloured one. So once we bought it, I decided that we needed to paint it. And initially, I wasn't thinking pink enough, and I was just thinking, what can I get the husband to agree to? And because there were greenhouses on the street already, and I knew that he liked green, because it goes with ginger hair, apparently. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but that's what he says. Um, I managed to get him to agree that we could paint the house green. Farrenball green, obviously. Um, And then one day I thought, no, I don't think the house should be green. And I don't think that the street needs another green house. It should be pink. And then I said to him, well, I think we should paint it pink instead. And he just went, no fucking way. Like, that's not happening. Am I allowed to swear on this, You can swear. Yeah, there's no children listening. We'll put put a warning on it. Okay. So, yeah, he said no, um, quite emphatically. And... I decided to change his mind. So what I did was (laughs) there there are 15 houses on that street. And through every single door, I put um, a piece of paper saying, we're going to paint our house. Um, Should we paint it green? Or should we paint it pink? And I got all the replies back. And then I told Ewan, the husband, that um, that people had voted overwhelmingly for a pink house. And had they? No, no, not, not at all. Everybody said they wanted <laughs> it to be green. But people don't have imagination. <laughs> so that's how it came to be pink. <sighs> that's the first bit. So that was the first bit of your question, was the actual house. Yes. Um, that's why it was pink. And then we did it up and, you know, um, we lived there for seven years, so it took that time to make it colourful and non-white. Because it was quite beige inside as well. So that was really the start of me getting properly into the whole interiors thing. I've always been into doing up houses and rooms and gang huts and dolls' houses and anything I can get my hands on. But this house was a real, like, I was going to say a real project. It wasn't a project in that we had to do massive renovations, but we knocked down some walls and, like, completely gutted some rooms, like the bathroom. And in doing all of that, it kind of reminded me how much I loved interiors and maybe that this could be the kernel of what I was going to do next. And I'd always wanted to start a business after having kids. And having moved out of London and moved away from the magazines that we worked in, I kind of felt even more, because I thought I was going to stay in Edinburgh, I felt even more that I needed to create my own space, my own thing, my own business that I could build and grow, Mm. rather than constantly being on the phone to magazines in London and feeling like I wasn't part of it. So, um, So then it was like, okay, it's going to be a business. But then what, is it, what kind of business? What's it going to be about? And I quickly decided that it should be something to do with writing. And you were one of my inspirations because you had created this amazing blog and had a very similar background to me. And essentially you'd created your own magazine online that you were responsible for. And I could see increasingly that digital was the way forward, much as I didn't want it to be because I like pieces of paper and I don't really understand techie stuff. <laughs> but I thought, this is what's going on. This is where it's headed. So it should be a blog of blog type thing, at least to start with. Um, and then what should it be about? And very quickly, the answer just came to me that it should be interiors. And then you and I went for um, afternoon tea at the Soho Hotel. And then you said, what should, what's the blog going to be called? And I had no idea that I was going to open my mouth and say the pink house. But that's exactly what I said. And there we go. The You're a big part of this whole story. <laughs> it was. It was born from that. I basically just made you tell that story just so that I could revel in the glory of being part of it. Absolutely, and and so you should. I would if I were you. But it's funny how these things happen because I think it's a combination of 
I really thought about it. Like I worked in a PR agency for, for a little while and I considered starting a content agency, but it didn't really make my heart sing. And I think when I just missed out on getting a job at this big creative agency in Edinburgh and I thought, oh, well, it's fine. I'll go back and I'll, and I'll do my content agency. I was like, oh, I don't want to go and start a content mm. agency. I want to do something that's more fun than that. And I've always enjoyed writing first person pieces and writing in the first person and I've always said my dream as a journalist was to write these sort of column type pieces about experiences and you know when we were at Moore I was the only one who volunteered for the 24 hours naked feature that was an epic feature that was an epic feature that was that was a career highlight and I'm not joking that really was playing bulls while completely naked with my photographer who's completely naked so we should explain you went to a nudist how did we get onto this? <laughs> <laughs> but you yes, went you went to went a nudist to, uh, beach holiday. No, it was a village. Oh, a, a nudist village. Village, okay. like as in people lived nakedly. Mm, nakedly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's the only way you were allowed to live. Although I'm not sure how that worked in the winter time mm. because we were there. I mean, it's the Costa del Sol, so it was warmish most of the time. It still but gets a wee bit chilly there. Would get, it? Yeah, you wouldn't want to be wandering around with all your bits out up no. the whole time. But when when we went, it was relatively warm. You know, it was properly like nice beach weather, um, but you look, you weren't allowed in if you had your kit on. Mm. So me and my photographer were like, right, literally in the house we were in, you had to take your clothes off and walk outside. It was the most counterintuitive thing that's ever happened to me, and I thought I was quite brave and not really that bothered about my body. There's nothing like having to literally take your clothes off to go outside to make you feel quite uneasy. Okay. And then the moment when I had to order a diet coke. In the bar, inside. So you walk in, and it's a bar. It's like those nightmares that people so the, have. The, the, the bar staff are naked too, though, no. aren't they? Oh, no. what? No, they're not. They were fully clothed. That's not fair. Yeah. And, and you know the bar, like the counter, it comes up to, as I discovered, never thought about this before, just below your boobs. Yeah. So you go up. This actually happened. I went up to the bar, totally naked. I mean, I'm talking muff out. It's yeah. like there is nothing on me apart yeah. from a necklace. And I went up, and it was deserted in the bar and there were like a couple of guys in their bar staff kit and I'm there with my tits going please can I have a Diet Coke what's the thinking behind the bar staff wearing clothes I don't know but then I thought would it actually be weirder if if they didn't have any clothes let's face it Emily nothing is not weird about that that, that situation (laughs) you know what the, the most weird thing in retrospect about that situation is, why the fuck was I ordering a Diet Coke? I needed a triple <laughs> vodka. Because then I, once once after that experience, where I was all like, right, this is really, really weird, I then started drinking in earnest, and things just got so much easier. There's, life there's lesson for us all there. Lesson. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so this one must all seem very tame in comparison to your, oh. your wild uh, more Magazine writing days. Well, I think, yeah, but... Well, it's so different. I was in such a different place then. I mean, I was staying out all night and going to work and doing my work on no sleep. And this is, you know, I'm sober much of the time. And I often have eight hours sleep now because my kids are a bit older. I yeah. never thought I would get that sleep back. But so I, your kids are eight and five? Nearly eight. Um, but yeah, he will, by the time people listen to this, mm. he'll probably be eight. Yeah. And, uh, and God, that's so sort of meta to think like that. <laughs> um, and that's why five. I love you, Emily. So professional. <laughs> Um, and yeah the other one just turned five but I feel like I have a whole new lease of life now Mm. like being in the trenches as I sort of refer to it when the kids were really little babies toddlers it was oh my god I I think it's something I try to talk about quite a lot because I really feel that when I was at that stage people didn't say to me 
you know what, it really does get a lot easier. I mm. felt that there was a lot of people saying, oh, it just gets hard in a different way. And it's like, it's bullshit. Okay, it's for me. Everybody's experiences are different. Yeah. But for me, yeah, okay, there are things that are harder now. There are different things and it's maybe more psychologically difficult. But I, I think it's like 10 times easier now. Mm. I, have a, I have my life back. Yeah. My brain works again. You know, I can function. I can run a business. I can go out at night. I can leave my kids with people. They don't scream all the time. They don't need to suck fluids from my body. I mean, it's, I just feel like it's so different. And I was worried, I think from, I don't know. I was worried that I, my life was going to be forever the way it was yeah. when they were really little, which makes no sense. Cause I think, I think loads of us feel that way. I, I definitely felt that way. Yeah. Um, even just having the one baby, yeah. I just felt like, oh my goodness, yeah. this is my life from now on. And I suffer from PND, which mm. I felt like when I was at the depths of that, I couldn't, I, I just thought, oh, this is my life. This is it. Yeah. But it makes no logical sense, does it? No. Because we know that time passes and children grow up. But when you're sleep deprived and when you are having such a shock to the system and your whole world is turned upside down, as happens to most of us, it's you're not thinking logically. You're not thinking, you know, yeah. you can't remove yourself from the situation, look down on it and go, oh, it could be all right. Yeah, it's true. But actually, it's funny because you're so... You know that thing about being in the moment? People talk about wanting to be in the moment. I've seen so many Instagram posts, people saying, my New Year's resolution is to live in the moment. Yeah. But actually... How much more in the moment are you living? I mean, you might not be happy in your moment, but you are in that moment. Mm. You're not thinking about the fact that your kids are going to grow up and get older and mm. that you're going to die one day and all that stuff. You're just thinking, my God, my baby is never going to sleep. Yeah. And you literally are just in that moment. Yeah. But it doesn't do you much good. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not a good moment it's not a to good be moment. in. But you know what? I, I, not everyone has, has this experience and... I just really envy those people who feel completely fulfilled by motherhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear of, I've got friends who say things like, oh, I just love the newborn stage. <laughs> I just love that cuddly, know, snuggly I know, stage. I and I can't identify I can't with identify that. either. Um, I feel sorry for people when I see, when I, like, so, no, I'm, it no, no, say it, say no, it. I, I genuinely feel sorry for people when I see people who are pregnant. And I know it's not that they're probably deliriously happy, but I'm like, oh my gosh, the very thought of having to go through that again, oh, fills me with dread. Like, people say, oh, they grow up too soon. My children have not grown up too soon. My children have grown up just, just quickly enough that I didn't go completely mad. I think you and I are very similar in that the baby stage is like a means to an end yeah, for us rather than something so. that can be enjoyed and, you know, you know. But I think, I think that has to do with... Well, it's hard to pull it apart. I think my first child was such a bad sleeper. I mean, he's the reason that we moved to Edinburgh. Yes. I never wanted I was, to move. I was going to yeah. move on to that, actually. Yeah. The, yeah. We'll come nicely round yes, to that. The, the reason that you moved up to Edinburgh <laughs> yeah. was because of you know your, your family situation, yeah. wasn't it? It was literally... I genuinely think, had he been one of those kids, those babies, that sleeps... Um, you know, it doesn't even... Have, it wouldn't have had to be a brilliant sleeper, just not up ten times every night... And that, but even that, maybe I could have coped with had he not been a nightmare in the daytime too. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe he had some kind of a refluxy, majiggy thing. Mm -hmm. But nothing was ever diagnosed. But he just cried a lot, and he didn't want to go in the buggy. And I had to carry him everywhere, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't nap like babies. Generally, you put them in the buggy and you, sh you shugle them around. You go for a walk, and they fall asleep. Mm -mm. I literally had to put him in one of those bouncy slings, Earth Mother type slings. And then I would have to jump up and down. I'm talking literally bouncing and shake bells in his ear. Oh, my goodness. So can you imagine, like, going out for a coffee 
Like, I would see these mums. I thought this is what happened to you when you yeah. had babies. And for many people, it is. You go to a nice coffee shop and you rock your baby to sleep or they sit for 20 minutes quite happily in the buggy and you give them a toy and they look at it and they go, yeah. yeah. No, 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 yeah. none of that. I was shaking bells and jumping up and down and screaming children and it was so hard and when when that happens it means you just stop going out yeah yeah exactly but I tried to keep going out and I did my best and I'd be out with my friends we'd even try going to wine bars at 5 p.m but I was so tired like I'd have one sip and I would be like Mm. it was just awful and so I never wanted to leave London I love London so much it's like a big big deal it's a big part of who I am I feel like I earned the right to live here that my whole media life has been here and being in the media was something that I very much chose. It was not something that was ever offered to me. Mm. It was very specifically something that I chose based on just my own predilections and my desires. And I don't know, it just felt like I had really worked for it. Yeah. And then to leave, it took, it, would, it took a lot to oust me and bring me back to Edinburgh. Because much as Edinburgh is a beautiful city, for me, it was going. It felt like going backwards. Yeah. That was where I grew up. It's where I, whatever. And I have a strange relationship with Scotland anyway, because... My parents are English and I was born in Scotland and brought up there. But the area of Scotland that I was brought up in was um, there were a lot of people who had had a very tough life and they were looking for someone to blame. And this English family landed right in the middle of their community. And we were blamed, I think, for their lives. Not for most people. It was fine. There were a few people. There was quite a lot of bullying. There were things like my mum being threatened with knives. Mm. There was people be like my brother would be chased by these boys like one of which I remember he had a he had a knife and there was some nasty moments these were only tiny moments but they were nasty moments and they stick with you yeah and and it's it's very hard to then feel like somewhere is your home people say oh you're Scottish and I'm like no I'm not really I wish I could say I was and Scotland's a wonderful wonderful place with some of my very best friends and in fact my husband is Scottish Mm. um but it's just not who I am for some Mm. for various reasons so Coming back to London, once I'd managed to get myself out of the baby fog and into a place where I felt we could function again as a family, has felt like an amazing... It's like I've been given a second chance. Mm. I I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite an extreme way of putting it. And I, I would have been very happy to carry on living in Edinburgh. And I think that's one of the things that people find hard to understand because they assume that I must have been unhappy in Edinburgh to make such a massive move back because it has been like we sold and bought it wasn't like we were renting and we moved back we bought a house in Edinburgh and then we sold it again and we bought a house here in London and it was a huge upheaval and the kids you know had to move schools we had to so much I mean only mine and my husband's work we could be it's better for us both of us in London but I think for me I've always been a very I've been a very optimistic person I've always been a very kind of proactive person so once I'd gotten into my head that we could move back and my husband was on board with it. It was a case of going... It's not that we've... It, it wasn't the stick beating us away. It was the carrot looked very, very juicy and suddenly I really liked carrots. Um, but yeah, so it was enough that there was exciting things to go for. Yeah. Whereas I think for a lot of people, there has to be that sort of, oh, it's bad where we are. Yeah. Whereas it absolutely wasn't. We, were, we had a lovely, lovely life in Edinburgh. And... I mean, was it at all heartbreaking leaving this amazing house? Because you you did your house up in Edinburgh and it was beautiful and you launched the Pink House website, you know, using all these gorgeous, glossy photographs that your friend Susie took for you and then you sold up and Mm. someone else is now living in that house. What what was that like? It's funny because 
it really wasn't upsetting for me at all. Oh, really? Like, I think so many people were upset for me. And I got so many Instagram messages from people saying, oh, you must be devastated. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm upset for you. Mm. I'm sad you're leaving your house. I'm like, why would I be sad? Because I've got a whole new life. I've got a whole new set of exciting things to do. And as soon as I'd made that decision that we were going and we knew what house we were buying and, you know, we found this great place and I was focused on where we were heading to, mm. I just not, it's not in me to look back. The thing that, I, I think that the thing that I was sad, sad's the wrong word, but that wasn't so good was the fact that I knew that it was very hard work doing up a house. And I was like, right, I had to steal myself. Yeah. It's like, right, here we go again. So, and it, because, but it wasn't specifically leaving that house behind. I just felt like, wow, what an amazing opportunity I've had to live in this beautiful street in this lovely part of Edinburgh for seven years. That part of my life was great. In the same way, I feel like university was great but I didn't want to cling on to it. Yeah. That was that part of my life. And wow, lucky me, what a great time I had. So this was, that was packaged up as the thing. And then I've moved on. Mm. I just, yeah, I'm just very much about what we can do now. And my to-do list is always so long. I haven't got time to think about anything else. So you're now currently doing up your uh, London home. Mm. And for, I say London home as if you've got multiple homes. <laughs> I love it. Dotted let's around. T- let's carry on like your that. Your London yeah. abode. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's really interesting because people can really follow the progress on mm. your Instagram and on your blog, can't they? Which you, it, people must feel really invested in the decisions you're making and seeing the gradual change and the gradual process. Um, but how would you describe your interior style? Because it's quite, I mean, when I say unusual, that makes me sound like I'm insulting you somehow. But No, that's good. It's quite different. How would you describe it? Do you think? I think, yeah. that, no, that is, I don't think that's an insult. In fact, I think that's, I'm really pleased if people do think that because I think when, for me, whenever I do something, I know the influences that have brought me to decide those things. So there's always a feeling, I think almost hopefully most people or, or nearly everybody who does something creative at the back of your mind is, I mean, copying is not what you're doing. This is all part of the creative process, but you kind of think, oh, I'm doing that. It's a bit like that person yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So I'm more aware of feeling like I want to make sure that what I'm doing does feel very me. I was going to say very unique, but oh my God, I hate it when people say that. Unique means one of a kind. Just sorry, just to, just to point this out. <laughs> this is one of my grammar things. It's like unique means one of a kind. You can't be very one of a kind. You're either one of a kind or you're not. <laughs> oh, and if anybody on the subject, if anyone has a sneak peek, it's S N E A K P W E K. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't help myself. I've heard you saying that so many times. You've got oh a real bee in your bonnet got... about the sneak peek. Oh, I don't know what it is. Is it because you see people doing P E A K as if it's the yes. peak of a mountain? Yes, I can't bear it. I think it's because I see words as they're written on the page. Mm. For me, a word is its spelling. And so when someone abuses the word like that, it makes me really sad. I'm not happy. So. I love words and it makes me sad to see them abused like that. Anyway, so it's totally felt like I had to say that. <laughs> feel all kind of passionate and weird. Um, but yes, as for interior styling, um, I just take... I think what it is is that I see things that I like and I assimilate them and then I just try and make it happen. But I don't worry about it. I don't think, oh... That might look awful. I think about it for a while. Mm. It's not like I rush into things, but I'm not... Once I've decided to do something, I just do it. And every so often, some I'll do something, I'll think, shit, that really does not look good. But actually, for example, the wallpaper that's in the kitchen now, the, yeah. uh, there's so much of it, this beautiful leafy wallpaper from Sandberg. 
we put it all up and because the rest of the house wasn't the rest of the room wasn't done I had a bit of a moment I was like oh my gosh I don't know if this is right is it a bit dark is it a bit this and but because I hadn't my, my vision for this room was to layer it with then have like sort of hot pinks and the pale pinks and lots of actual plants yeah and I hadn't added those layers yet I was only looking at layer one and I think that can be the scary bit when you're building a room you've done the first layer and you have to look at it and go, oh, my God, it doesn't look like I imagined. Well, of course it doesn't. Mm. You've still got to keep going. But then that's the bit where you've got to really have that courage of your conviction and, and go, no, I do know what I'm doing and I'm going to keep going. Because I think, actually, as I'm even talking, I think what a lot of people probably do, and I used to do, is that you, you, you kind of do the first thing and then you kind of lose confidence a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and lose and momentum. And fudge it a little bit. Mm. And then as a result, the whole end result looks a little bit, hmm... Whereas actually, if you've just gone, you know what, I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to keep... There's something about that boldness and and the con- having a conviction and not letting somebody else come in halfway through, your partner or whatever, and sort of say, oh, I think it should be more like this. Because yeah. that's why I do this series called How to Win the Interior War. Because for me, it's really, really important to have a creative vision for a room and and not have it as a, just everything be a compromise. I think if you really, really care and your partner is not that bothered or your kids are not that bothered, because quite frankly, most kids aren't, you should stick up for yourself and Mm. try and get things your way because everyone will be happier. The room will look better for it. At least that's what I tell myself. (laughs) There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> um, so who were your interiors influences? Like, who would you say, when you're looking around, you know, what you've done so far, wh- where do you look for your inspiration? Um, well, I've I've loved Living Etc. magazine for years now, and I have every single issue for the last seven years. Um, it's the only magazine I subscribe to, and I love the use of colour in lots of the houses in there and that sort of eclectic, glamorous kind of feel. So I found that they, having a, a, and because I love magazines, I like hard copy magazines, I love having that to look at every month. Mm. And I get a lot of ideas from there. And I, from my first house, so many of the, the ideas came from tearing out pages of living, etc. And then as Instagram started to come into my world and, and blogs, but but more Instagram... That was when I started to see more and more different ways of doing things and lots more ideas. But it can be too much sometimes, which is why actually I've almost pulled back a bit and I don't I don't actually follow that many interiors accounts or read that many interiors blogs because I find that can confuse me. I like to I like I maybe spend more time looking at fashion mm. blogs and interiors or people to do with art. Um because I want to sort of feel like I've had my own 
that I have come to these decisions as much myself as I as I can. Yeah. So, but yeah, in terms of specifics, it's really hard for me to pull out anybody particularly that I love. Um, like there are interior designers that are great. There are bloggers who are great. And every week I'll have a new crush. So I, for a few weeks, I, House Curious was one of my big crushes. I just love Summer's House. It's just, I don't know, I can just imagine myself there and it's got so many sort of lovely elements. And it's beautiful, isn't it? It really is, just mm. stunning. And so that often pops into my mind. And also the irreverence that she has, like little touches, like neon signs, which I love. I love my neon sign. Mm. Um, or, I mean, Kate from Mad About the House, her house is, her style is more kind of pared back and neutral than mine. Yeah. But she's kind of a master of making things look good. So I often kind of peer at her rooms and think, why does that work yes. as well as it so does? analysing the ingredients to mm. what makes something work yeah. rather than actually just copying yeah, what exactly. she's done. Yeah, exactly, picking it apart. And similarly, like Kimberly from Swoonweather, she was one of my first big influences. I remember regrabbing, I was when I was a complete Instagram newbie, and I found a picture and it was of her... Um, I didn't know this, but it was off her chest of drawers and art and she'd done this amazing styled up vignette and I posted it and, and then I got these messages going and I didn't, I didn't credit it. I didn't realise, you know, what you were supposed to do. And I got these messages going, that's Kimberly's, like in a slight slapped wrist kind of way. I was yeah. like, oh my God, shit. And suddenly I realised like, it's a big deal to have created something like this and you own that mm. image and you own that where every time anybody wants to showcase that you have to make sure to credit them and it was a real learning and um and then I realized that you know what Kimberly does was amazing and I started to like like her her pin which is how to put together a bar cart yes so when I I was just styling something up for this photo shoot that I was doing this weekend and I was doing my bar cart and I was a bit like oh what am I gonna do I, I felt like I was suddenly like how do you style a bar cart and I went on Pinterest and instantly Kimberly's how to style a bar cart. It's really interesting thing. though, isn't it? I think that's a really good example of somebody who knows their SEO because mm. um, I bought a bar cart over the Christmas holidays. I felt like I was being completely 2015 by buying it. <laughs> it does um, feel a bit retro already. And um, I went onto Google and I just wrote, because I was the same as you, I was like, I, you know, I want to make this look quickly so quite good for yeah. my new year's eve party i haven't really got time to be properly buying stuff for it went to google how to style a bar cart and kimberly's mm. blog post was like maybe the second thing yeah. that came up on google she totally knows her seo that girl god listen to me i wouldn't have known what i was talking about two years ago <laughs> knows her seo i don't like what is that search engine optimization, optimization. but yes yeah anyway yes yes we won't go off on one on no that. dull boring techie <laughs> um so how would you say you strike that balance between having a beautiful beautiful fabulous home and somewhere that is kind of comfortable for a family to live and you know you're not constantly worried that stuff's gonna get stained and broken and smashed is that tricky it is it is hard and i'd be lying if i didn't have that thing and i feel bad about it where i'm like kids you have to wash your hands before you get on that sofa or no food over there or you know take your shoes off before you go in that bit and I and I do get pangs of guilt because I you know I grew up in a very sort of like bohemian style household where you would never have to worry I mean this, the sofa was a tip I mean you wouldn't have to worry about that and the whole thing was that kids should be free to be children um but the thing is I am who I am and I I am allowed to live my life to a certain extent, the way that I want to. And I don't think it's a bad thing for children to learn to respect things. I don't, they appreciate this house. I genuinely think, you know, they're two boys 
And anyone who says that boys don't appreciate good interior designs, bullshit. Like, what I'll often get from the older one, he'll be like, oh, look, mommy, how, look how the colour of that works with, with that. Aww. And he's really, he's learned. Are things. you like, it's a proud yes. moment. Yes, genuinely. But, <gasps> but it just goes to show that whatever you're into, if you're passionate about it, your kids pick up on that passion. And yeah. What does it matter what that thing is? But yeah, to a certain extent, they, they, I do make sure they're careful with things. But within that, there are areas of the house that I'm deliberately... Like, for example, my new corner sofa. So it's... Oh, my God, I love this sofa. It's from Sofas and Stuff. You and really do love it, I really, you? really love it. But because it's quite... It's grey, it's um, it's upholstered in this... It's beautiful. It's like 100% wool, Ian Mankin fabric. It's really, really lovely. But yet, it's kind of practical, so it's beautiful. It's, it's cosy. It looks lovely. Um, it's luxurious, but I'm like, although the kids aren't allowed to like actual drinks on it or food, <laughs> I'm, I've told myself I'm not allowed to be anal about it. Okay. It's like, I'm not going to literally check their hands before they go on it because I reckon I chose that fabric. It's got a bit of a sort of mottled weave that even if there's a bit of grub here and there, that's going to be part of the sofa. And I've decided that's fine. Yeah. And that, I think that is a big mentality is going, you know what? There's going to be fingerprints on the velvet sofa. But better to have a velvet... I mean, this was one of my first founding principles of the pink house, was better to have a velvet sofa with chocolate stains on it than no, no velvet sofa at all. And I, like, I I believe that wholeheartedly. I also think that there's something about the wear and tear of family life that adds to a house. Mm-hmm. So the, the dining table that we've just got, I searched for ages to find the right one. But this is a... It's a vintage... 19th century French refectory table and it's covered in ring marks cup marks mm-hmm. um, and I love that because I'm like it's already pre-wrecked and we'll just <laughs> add to it so we'll yeah. add our layer of family life and it's like well why shouldn't you start your own tradition I've got a vintage table that I'm adding the rings to but why not just buy a, a nice wooden table and start your own yeah. rings and scratches I found like there were little scratches where someone's done some sums some math homework really? or something and you'd be like oh no you have to put something under that you'd think you yeah. know new table make sure you put something under that oh no you've marked the table it's like let's just kind of do away with that sense that everything has to be kept pristine yeah. isn't life the most wonderful thing about a house let's incorporate that i mean i'd, I'd rather not incorporate the chocolate life on my favorite velvet armchair <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah and i think that mentality gets me a long way yeah that's brilliant yeah so if somebody uh, follows you on instagram and reads your blog and loves your interior style how do they go about injecting some of that pink house feel into their own house i think the main thing is to is to try and well you first of all you need to work out what it is you like and that sounds like an obvious thing to say but i feel like i didn't really know what i liked until i started the pink house or just before and that is you know, whether it's kind of mood boards or just getting your head around things you like and putting them all together because like writing, it's about it's more it's as much about what you're not doing as what as about what you're doing because you have to reject so many things. Like I used to have all this shabby chic stuff in my house. I'm not into shabby chic. I don't like it. I went through that shabby yeah, chic phase too. Yeah, we've maybe all been there. Yeah. But I had to one day just be like, I hadn't realised I didn't like it. Like it. it was just that's what people did. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit like clothes as well. But then that actually, that's one of the one of a good tip to sort of work out what you like is you look at most people find their dress sense before their interior sense I think yeah I certainly did look at what you're wearing and look at the colors that you're into and sort of the style that's probably going to inform your house yeah I mean I, I definitely dress like I decorate definitely yeah you do um 
And that's not a coincidence. I think that's because I know my style. Mm. And once you know your style... And so if you feel confident with the way you dress, then look at it. Like, what colour do you wear most of all, like, as a neutral? That should probably be the main colour that you use in your main room, for example. Accent colours are your sort of favourite sort of scarf colours or bright pops of colour that you use. They can, you know, they will probably complement your main colour because you wear them together. So, yeah, if you, if you just don't know where to start, look at your clothes. And then in terms of my actual, like my personal style, for me, it's about finding ways of showing off pink. <laughs> I mean, because there's actually not that much pink in my house. My husband would disagree. But if you look around this room or in the sitting room. Yeah, it's there are just little accents. Accents of pink. But for me, it makes, there's pink, there's enough pink for me to go, oh, look at all the gorgeous pink. But it's shown off by being... There's so much dark blue and... Um, it's and not like you walk in and the walls are pink no. and the sofa's a different shade of pink. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're right. So that's what I think. It's like you can be your favourite colour, but it doesn't mean that has to be the most... You've got to find the way that you most like to see it. So that's the same with the way I dress. Like I've got a pink jumper on, but I've got grey dungarees. So, yeah. Okay, so next question. My whole thing with fashion and interiors mm. is that I like to play it safe. Mm. And... So, for example, um, I've discussed this with you in the past, and I've, discussed, I've asked this question on Instagram a couple of times. Um, what colour should I paint my fireplace? What colour should I paint my walls? Yeah. And at the moment, I'm leaning towards uh, painting the fireplace white and painting the walls dark blue. Mm. And every time I mention that, I'll get at least two or three messages from people saying, oh, but the thing is, dark blue is really done now, isn't it? <laughs> and I want to respond and say, yes, but the thing is, I will only embrace something once it's been done. <laughs> so like skinny jeans, for example, for about four years, the world wore skinny jeans I and I was convinced I couldn't do them. And then I embraced them. Yeah. So I feel like a trend has to die a death and then I will embrace it. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm a bit, but I'm a bit, you see, I feel like I'm a bit like that. Really? Yeah, yeah, I do. But you see, they, oh, you know what? This is really interesting. I think I am like that to a certain extent. But being in a sort of being in the interiors world more now is that I get to see what the trends are or sort of feel like what they're going to be kind of earlier, maybe a year or so earlier than I might have done. So I've gotten used to the idea of the trend quite early and then I'm able to use it in my own house. I see. And, and it, but it's only that the mainstream, it's only just coming out then. Right. Anyway. So, so you, you look like an early adopter, yes, but, but actually <laughs> you're just like me. I, I think that really is a big part of it. That coupled with the fact that now I'm kind of off on my own trajectory... I try really hard not to think too much about trends. I like trends. I mean, there's that whole thing people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't listen to trends. But I, for me, what trends mean now is just what's new. Mm. And I like newness and I like to see it. But I'm now much more of a case of that's new, but I don't like it. Mm. That's new and I do like it. Or that's new and I'm not sure if I like it, but I'll come back to it. But there's stuff that I know I like and most of it's pink. So... It's quite straightforward. And also I like classics. So this rug, this is a vintage. And vintage also is the other thing. Things that are vintage often are timeless. But this vintage Benny Urain rug, this was a definitely an investment piece. I got it from LaRussi. And I love it so much. This is not going to go out of fashion. This is just a classic rug. Is it okay that I've currently got my shoes, my trainers on, <laughs> on your vintage rug? So have I. Okay, so good. So it's fine. But you see, that's part of it. That's part of the thing, is that this might have cost me a lot of money, this rug. But... It's kind of, it's been around this rug for so many years already. It seems to be okay. I'm going to sit like ah, this with, my, with no, my, my legs in the air. No, no, seriously. But, but I think the fact that it's, I don't know, that you can live your life on it. Yeah. It's worth more, makes it worth even more. Things that are just for best, that you have to keep looking showroom perfect, 
surely you should pay much less for them because they're not allowing you to live your life on them. I love that thinking. I yeah. love that. Um, okay, Emily, um, some quick fire questions for you. Yep. What's your biggest interiors regret? So either something that you did that went wrong or something that you didn't do or didn't buy and always regretted. Oh my gosh. I don't know if this is it at all, but the colour of the walls in my den, in the basement in my last room, I really wanted this, this um, initially, I'd seen it in um, this interior designer's house who helped me with the, with the project, but it was this blueberry blue, really bright, vibrant blue, and I just loved that colour. In the end, I went for this teal colour. Mm. I just don't really like teal. <laughs> and every time I look at the pictures of that room now, I just think, oh... Don't like that. And it was really expensive, the grass cloth. Mm. And and I it just dawned on me as I lived in it that I just didn't really like the colour. But it's fine because that's over now. Yes. And it's done. And at the time You don't was, you don't live there anymore. I don't live so. there anymore. I think the new owners ripped it out as oh, well. No. <laughs> um but no, and the the I was gonna say the the shabby chic thing generally. But that's fine. I'm, I'm going to get new bedside tables. They're going to be gone soon. Are they shabby chic? They are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what surprised you most about motherhood? Um, how little sleep I actually got. Like, really. Like, how little sleep. I can't... Yeah, I'm just going to keep saying that over and over again because I'm also, still in shock about it. But also, I, I think, well, obviously the question's aimed at you, not me, but I, the, for me, I felt like how little sleep you could actually survive on. So actually... The next day, you wouldn't just die yeah. despite having had such little sleep. But you felt like you were going to. I don't mm. know if I was... Yeah, I just... Well, it was just so much harder, generally. It was just mm. so much harder. I genuinely thought that it was going to be a year. I'd earned a year of sitting around drinking coffee and watching this perfect little thing that I'd made who I just loved. Sleep or, you know, gurgle. Nah, nah, not that. Second one was a bit better. Good. But still, you'd earned it. Um, and final question: Who's your dream playdate guest? Ooh, wow! Playdate guest. We were just talking about Dara O'Brien then about his funny NCT thing with Helen, weren't we? Yeah. Um, I I think it would be rather jolly if he came round for a playdate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to bring any kids. <laughs> just maybe a bottle of wine. That's that's more of a date, Emily. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but we. Yeah, we'd play too, but that's make that makes it worse. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Moving swiftly on. Moving on. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It <laughs> oh, has been so nice to come to the pink house and sit on this beautiful sofa, put my trainers all over your vintage rug, <laughs> and uh, and chat to you. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, Alison. Well, I don't know about you, but I am genuinely feeling really inspired after that chat to go and decorate my house in a really fabulous way. Thank you, as always, for listening. And please do pop over to iTunes and subscribe and rate and review the podcast because it really helps other people discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll catch up with you next time. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.